Thank you. Round of applause. Not for, not, you know, not for me, not for what Compassion's doing, but what the church is doing in the name of Jesus across the world. Absolutely amazing. And thank you so much for inviting me to share with you this morning at City Church. It's a real joy to be here with you as we meet, we meet together in Jesus' name. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be sharing with you a little bit about Compassion. Has everybody heard of Compassion already? Anybody sponsoring children through Compassion? Put your hands up. And other organizations, you know, together we can change the world and we are changing the world. It's a fantastic thing that we're doing. I'll tell you a little bit more um, about compassion later on, but what I want to share with you this morning, I want to spend a little bit of time thinking about the truth of who God is and how much believing what we believe about God impacts our lives and the lives of people around us. So just a question for you to start off. What's your God like? What's the God that you believe in like? He's good, yes? Awesome, compassionate, always a good one, yes. Love, yes. Powerful. Anything else? Benevolence, yeah. Faithful. Faithful, all brilliant words. I mean, yes, absolutely. The theme of God's love and his compassion and his power and his authority are great biblical themes run all the way through from Genesis through to Revelation. This is the truth of who God is. But do we believe this? And how much does believing that about God impact our lives? And how much does allowing, allowing that to impact our lives enable us to touch other people with that love, with that power, with that compassion? Compassion as an organization, just by way of introduction, is a, an organization that's doing amazing work around the world to make the world a better place and helping some of the world's very poorest children have a better life. And we do this through... 7,000 churches, more than 7,000 churches in different parts of the world, world's very poorest countries, supported by loving people here in churches like this one, sponsoring children on a one-to-one -one basis. And sponsoring a child means providing financial support for a desperately needy child, um, also relational support. Uh, we're currently supporting more than 2 million children around the world, 2 million desperately needy children. At Compassionate No, we're committed to reaching as many children we can as we can while ever there's need in the world. And I'll tell you more about how you can get involved in that later on if that's something that you'd like to do. We heard earlier uh, when I was talking to the all, kind of all ages why we do what we do. You know, there's such injustice in the world today. While we're living here in relative luxury, there's a billion people in the world today living in extreme poverty. Extreme poverty means people living on less than $1.90 a day, many people living on even, even less than that. And people for whom life is just a complete struggle to survive, absolutely awful circumstances. 400 million children born into those circumstances. Next slide, please. Yeah, here's a, a definition of um, extreme poverty. You know, but the point is it's easy to depersonalize it when we're thinking about the statistics and the numbers. We're talking about real people here. Real, ch real children, uh, like this little girl, Brittany, that we uh, mentioned earlier, who, just because of where they happen to have been born, don't even get the basics. So she doesn't get, um, she doesn't get enough food, she's malnourished. She doesn't develop properly, physically, mentally. She doesn't have access to medis medicines and health care. Um, she doesn't get to go to school, you know, so she has no hope ever of, of, of having a better life. You know, and that's, uh, that's the state that, that children are born into, and that's why we do what we do. It's just wrong, isn't it? You know, say again, how do, how do we feel about that this morning? I heard Danielle Strickland 
um, speak not that long ago, and she was banging the podium, and she was saying she was angry, and she was outraged at the injustice in the world. Anybody feel like that? We have to at least care, don't we? As Christians, we know we're meant to care. As Christians, you know, the Bible is very clear that we're not meant to be putting up with the status quo like this is okay, because quite frankly, it's not okay. No, nobody would say that it is okay. Um, you know, we're called to love God, to love our neighbor, to be compassionate, to take action, to change the world. I think we all agree that that's what the Bible says, don't we? I don't know if anyone's going to disagree publicly anyway with me. Uh, come and talk to me afterwards if you, you know, if you don't agree with this. But how easy is it to actually put it into practice? You know, and what can any one of us do to change the world and to really make any kind of difference? Do you ever feel like that? It's easy to think that we can't do anything. I'm going to ask you another question. I've told you there's a billion people in the world today living in extreme poverty. Do you think that number is going up or down? Do you think there's more people living in extreme poverty or do you think there's less than there were? Put your hand up if you think it's going up. Put your hand up if you think it's going down. Put your hand up if you're going to not put your hand up at all and sit on the fence. I've seen that there's quite a few people not put their hands up. Very sensible people. Okay. Let me tell you. Extreme poverty in the world has halved in the last 20 years. The number of people living in extreme poverty has halved in the last 20 years. And uh, because of things like the Millennium Development Goals, international efforts, the work of non-governmental organizations, including organizations like Compassion, like World Vision, like Christian Aid and Tear Fund and a whole load of other organizations that you might be involved in. Are you surprised by that? There wasn't one person when we discussed earlier, you know, what God is like that said, you know, he isn't powerful, he's a God of injustice and a God of lack, you know, and we have to wonder what our God is like. We shouldn't be surprised, actually, that the world is getting better. Throughout the Bible, next slide, please. Throughout the Bible, we read that God is good, he's just, he's compassionate, he's gracious. This is what we believe, don't we? This is what we believe, don't we? He created a perfect world, fairness, justice, a good life for everybody. This is the truth of who God is. And do we believe this? God's in the business of creation and restoration. He sent Jesus to restore all people to him and to restore the world to how it's meant to be. And as followers of Jesus, we're not just called to change the world with his love. We're empowered to change the world with his love. Do we believe this? This is what the Bible says. I'm not telling you anything you don't know here. This is what the Bible says. But do we believe God's word and his promises for us and for his world are true? Do we believe that? And if not, why not? What's the question? Next slide, please. Very famous verse, John 10, 10. Jesus says that He's come to give us life in all its fullness. The devil, the evil one, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. You know, full life that Jesus offers us is definitely eternal life, but I also believe it's kind of abundant and overly abundant life for us now. You know, life where we're trusting God, listening to his voice, believing what he says, living fully and freely as his children. I believe that's what full life is. It sounds good, doesn't it? But be careful, Satan, the evil one, would seek to steal that away from us, tempting us to doubt and disbelieve 
God's goodness, whispering lies, saying, is God really like that? Can God really reduce extreme poverty in the world by half in 15 to 20 years? Is God really like that? You know, that's the lies that the devil whispers to us. It all started with Eve in the Garden of Eden, right, to, right back to the beginning of the Bible. In that moment, with Eve and the snake and the tree and the apple or whatever fruit it was, Satan persuaded Eve that she would have a better, fuller life, doubting and disbelieving God's goodness and promises, than she would by trusting and obeying him. And ultimately, I know I believe that's what sin is. Um, you know, and that's where, that's where it all started. That's a challenge for us today. Whose voice do we listen to? Who and what do we believe and what do we trust? And how do we allow this to motivate what we do and what we don't do? Do we believe God's promises or the devil's lies about ourselves, about other people, about the world and what's going on in the world, even about God himself? Who and what do we believe? Extreme poverty, we've discussed extreme poverty already, is a lie and a thief, robs children of any chance of fulfilling their God-given potential, takes away even the basics from children, robs children of any hope of becoming the people that God intended them to be, robs them of any dreams, any self-esteem, any hope for a better life, any hope at all. But there is hope, isn't there, people of God? There is hope. Who is the hope of the world? Jesus is the hope of the world. And who is the body through which he speaks and acts and fulfills his purpose? We are. The church. Do you know, for a long period of my Christian life, I thought the church was somebody else. <laughs> but it isn't. You know, the church is followers of Jesus. That's me. That's you. Every single one of us. You know, we are the hope of the world because he, Jesus, is the hope of the world. Next slide, please. And I guess that's it in a, in a nutshell, what compassion does, it enabling churches in some of the world's very poorest countries to restore hope to some of the world's very poorest children. And uh, children receive everything that they need to become fulfilled Christian adults through compassion projects in their local churches. So they receive nutritious food, they get access to medicines and health care, all sorts of social and emotional care. They get to go to school and onto secondary education, all fantastic things, but all of these things would be worthless if we weren't also teaching them the gospel and teaching them about the love of Christ. And uh, so all children, Compassion is an overtly Christian organization, all children receive Bibles, and Bible teaching and are encouraged to, but never forced, to follow Jesus as their Lord and their Saviour. And uh, let me just tell you this statistic as well, actually. Well, lots, of, lots of numbers here, but this is a good one and a really exciting one, I promise. Last year alone, more than 158,000 children became Christians through the work of compassion. Do you know I've heard a better response to that in Methodist churches? <laughs> okay, I'm going to say it again, Okay. Last year, 158,000 children gave their lives to Jesus through their compassion projects. <laughs> Praise God. It works out of 400 a day. Just awesome. You know, above everything, these children learn that they're loved. Kids who have nothing learn that they're loved. They learn they're loved by Jesus. 
They learn, learn they're loved by their church, loving people in their church. And they learn they're loved by their sponsors. And uh, fantastic. All this is funded by people here sponsoring children. So normal people in churches like this one, you know, choosing to, to, to sponsor a child and change their life. And sponsorship doesn't just help a bit. It radically, radically transforms a child's life and their family's life, whole communities being transformed with the love of Jesus just because one person chooses to get involved. And all it costs is £25 a month to sponsor a child. It's not a huge amount of money. Works out at just over a fiver a week, significantly less than a pound a day to lift a child out of poverty and transform their lives forever. Um, the great thing about Compassion, of course, is that you're not just giving money. You get to be involved in the life of the child that you're sponsoring. Those of you who are sponsoring children will know. Uh, you're their only sponsor. So you get to build a relationship with them, get to know them, exchange letters with them. You write letters to them, little words of love and encouragement and, and, and words of hope. Um, and they write back to you and tell you what they're doing. You get, to, you get to be involved in the life of a child, a real child, living in real poverty, and you get to make a real difference in their lives. Do you know, it is as amazing as it sounds. It's absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Um, for a long time, you know, I couldn't have cared less about all this kind of thing. I've been a Christian maybe 20 years, and until maybe 15 years ago, I couldn't have cared less. Never entered my head that I could or should be doing anything about the needs of the world. And about that time, God started challenging me and asking me what I was actually doing. You know, I was going to church. I thought being a Christian was just about going to church, singing the songs, being seen to do all the right things. But I wasn't really doing anything. And... Uh, I asked God to give me a passion for something that he was passionate about, and he drew me to the work of compassion. Next slide, please. And I started sponsoring this little girl in Haiti. Um, I thought that I was going to change her life by sponsoring her, and indeed I have changed her life. You know, she lives in absolute destitution in Haiti, or that's what, that's what she was born into. She's now working as a nurse, you know, and... Uh, All it took was me, one ordinary person, you know, <laughs> nothing special about me to obey God's call to do something to change the world. And to say that it transformed my life is a complete and utter understatement, you know, because in being involved in her life, completely changed my perspective, profoundly, profoundly impacted my life and my faith. I enable her to become everything God intends her to be, but at the same time, he starts changing me to become the person that he intended me to be. And I thank God for it. Absolutely. You know, what I've what I found is that I work out all this stuff that we say we believe, all this stuff that's in the Bible, all this great stuff, I'm starting to work out it's true. <laughs> yeah, thank you for laughing, Pete, my husband here. You know, it's true. And every time we're reading our Bibles on a night, I'm like, look at this bit here. Look at what that means. I never knew that before. What about storing up your treasures in heaven? I never knew what that meant, but I do now. You know, thank God. Something else I used to, uh, I used to think. I used to think that giving to the needy, sharing what I had, that that was some sort of hardship and duty, and that God was testing me on that, and that if I was giving my money, my money, okay, to somebody else in need, no matter how needy they were, and no matter what the Bible has to say about this, that I was going to lose out. Anybody else ever feel like that? Is it true? It's not true. It's not true, you know? The more we give, 
the more we get. It's a blessing. The more we give, the more we get. Let me hear you say it. The more we give, the more we get. The more we give, the more we get. Okay, sound like you really mean it. Go on. This is what the Bible says, ladies and gentlemen. You know, loving our neighbor, looking out for other people, sharing what we have is what it means to know God. Draws us closer to him because this is who he is. And that's why he calls us to do it. It's not meant to be a hardship. Next slide, please. Yeah, another famous verse from, uh, from Jesus. Um, Jesus says, when you give food to the hungry, when you give water to the thirsty, clothes to the naked, and all those things, whatever you do for one of the least of these, you do for me, Jesus says. I think it's fair to say that we all want to draw close to Jesus, and we're all looking to draw close to Jesus, yes? Of course, of course, that's, that's what we are. I really believe, you know, that Jesus says, I'm over here, I'm over here, and with the poor, the marginalized, the needy, that's where I am, I'm in these people, will you help me? I don't believe that we can draw any closer to Jesus than reaching out to people in need, because this is what he says. You can't get any closer to Jesus. Incredible stuff, isn't it? There's so many things that we can do in our lives, you know, to, to put all this into practice. And I encourage you to go from here today thinking of ways, actually, let's start living this out and believing that we can make a difference. You know, sponsoring a child is one very easy, very practical, very personal thing that we can do. And if it's something that you'd like to do today, um, then you can sponsor one of these children today. Brittany's one of them that's waiting for a sponsor. And all desperately needy children uh, waiting for sponsors, and I have their details here. Um, you know, so, yeah, here's Brittany. Um, so we've met Brittany already. Um, you know, she's waiting for a sponsor, somebody to show her the truth of God's love and say, actually, God does exist, you know, and you are loved. Next slide, please. This little kid, Anthony in Nicaragua, lives with, lives with, lives with his mum and his grandma. And, uh, yeah, very poor little boy waiting for somebody to step in his life and say, hey, I care about you. I can, I can spare five or a week to change your life forever. And uh, that's the opportunity that we have today. You know, can you, can you do that for one of these children? You know, share the love of Jesus by, you know, sharing just a little bit of your resources, a little bit of your time, a little bit of your emotion and your love to change one of these children's lives. You know, come and talk to me after the service if it's something that you'd like to do. Next slide, please. These little kids all waiting for sponsors today. You know, poverty tells children, you're hopeless, you're worthless, you'll never amount to anything. Nobody cares about you. Is it true? It's not true. Do you know? And we can tell them otherwise. And that's a, a wonderful, wonderful privilege thing that we can do, you know. And it's absolutely amazing, that thing that we can do. It really works. Are you convinced that it works? You know, I'm convinced that it works. But actually, I've never been living in extreme poverty. You know, I had the good fortune to be born in, well, Harrogate, actually. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, we've all got good lives here, haven't we? But I have somebody with me this, uh, this morning, a young lady called Damaris, who was born in Kenya. And, um, you know, she's convinced that it works because she's lived through this. And she, through the love of her sponsor and her church, has been lifted out of poverty in Jesus' name. Would you like to hear her story? Yes. Can you give her a big round of applause? 
Hi, everybody. I just wave to me and give me a smile this morning. That makes it better. <laughs> now I'm not nervous anymore. Yeah, um, my name is Damaris. Um, a mom of one. I have a son, Malachi. He's four years old. He's four and a half. Yeah, um, yeah and I'm a born again Christian. I love God. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's great to see you all. And thank you for having us in your church. It's lovely. Yeah, um, um, I was born in Kenya um, in 1984. <laughs> That's long, I think. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a first born of six kids. And six kids, they're all behind me. They're very, they're doing well and they're good. And having, being six kids, it's six kids who don't even know who their dad is. We have a dad somewhere somehow, but we don't know. Um, my mom gave birth to us when she was quite very young. I come in a place called, I was born in a place called Madara Slums. Has anybody watched the Red Nose Days? And you can see the slums. I was born in one of those slums. It's not very pretty, but that's a place I can call home. And once I did call it home. And we used to live in a very small wooden house and my mom gave birth when she was very, very young. She gave birth because she was, mental, she was mentally ill, but nobody knew it. They just thought she was arrogant, naughty, she didn't care, she was careless. She was just a lady who didn't bother, but she was mentally ill. And when she gave birth to me, she went away and left me with my grandmother. Uh, my grandmother was not very rich. She was a very poor lady with diabetes, with two of my aunties, bringing them up, and then she had me there. And it was hard for her, and because she, she, didn't, she was not educated, she was not very rich. So she used to sell a, uh, a brew called uh, Changa. If it's not, it's cooked by, with vapor, brewed from the river. If it's not, the chemicals are overmixed, they make people go blind. I've seen people going blind on my face. They just say, you can't see now. I've seen it as five, at five years old. And that's the only source of food we had. So that changa she used to sell to customers. And at a young, at a young age, because of we are girls, we bound to help at home. We used to help her because she was very old. She was weak, so we had to help out because we needed a meal. I remember when we did have customers in our house. We'll go five days without food. They, when you're thinking of lunch, breakfast, we'll go days without food because that's our only source of income. And to make the matters worse, everybody in the slum was doing it. It was the main source of business with many other things. School that time, people used to pay. So the number of people in the slum who went to school was very little. So we kind of knew that our life was it. We never thought about school. We never even imagined it because we are struggling to get food. How can we even pay for school? So we just forgot about it and just lived our life. At a young age, we used to see people going to school, the people who are well enough in the road. And sometimes because of our clothes, they will spit at us, throw things at us. Because we looked bad, we didn't have proper nice clothes or anything. And when mom gave birth to me, she went away, came back with another one and another one and another one. We ended up being six. When we, and it was hard for my grandmother because she was a mom. She didn't know what was happening to her daughter, and many people didn't know. 
people took advantage of my mom because she was not well. And we kindly, we stayed, we, I used to go like years without even knowing where my mom was. And at that point, I actually thought she was my sister. Because I was, she's tiny like me. <laughs> actually, so I actually thought she was just my naughty older sister. That's what I thought because I never had the motherly love from her. And it's not me, even my other siblings. My grandmother did it all. And I remember one day in the slums, we didn't have a church at that time in the slum. Somebody came in and said, rented one of the rooms and said, we'll be like the church. So we just went there on Sundays to hang out, just to pass time on Sundays. And all of a sudden she said, we want to sponsor kids. I remember my grandmother going like, we don't want kids being sponsored. We don't want kids going to school. We want food for our kids. And they didn't believe it. So they said, they're going to provide food for the kids but we also want to educate the kids. We want to take them to school. And they all just went, okay. So one Sunday when I went to church and the pastor came and said, we're going to register the kids. I registered myself because my grandmother was nowhere to be seen. She was busy doing some work. We did actually never had a weather spoon. We didn't have a pub. All day, Elise Brew used to sell it in our room. Oh, it was pretty, pretty hard. She was busy. We go to church and I registered myself like, oh, I just gave my name anyway. And all of a sudden, they came with school uniforms for us. Now, the first time they did, they bought us Bibles. I still have my Bible, which is 1988. I still have my Bible up today. That was the first ever book I ever had. And then, after the Bibles, they came as brought us school uniforms, took us in a van, and took us to school. So a girl who had no hope didn't even know what a classroom looked like. I was mixing with the rich. The people who used to spit on us, throw things at us because we were so dirty. We didn't have shoes. We didn't have, our clothes were torn. I was mixing them. And because of that, just to prove them wrong, like I was not meant to be there. I said, I will get myself out of the slum. I worked so hard. We proved them wrong. I worked so, so hard because I had a lady who was really, really caring. She loved me so, so much. Her name was Jenny. Jenny just saw a photo like that, took it, decided to sponsor me. She didn't know me. The photo was actually, if you saw it, you'd be like, oh. But she took it and just fell in love with it, and she sponsored me. She encouraged me every single day. She wrote me beautiful letters, tell me how good I am, how important I was, how she believed in me, and she had no idea who I was. She just saw a photo. That lady made me who I am today. Every time I was down, I just look at the letters saying, I want to make it in life. I worked so hard in school. I worked so hard, I pushed. She'll pray for me. She'll pray for me every single day, and she'll tell me, I'm praying for you, I'm working with you. Even when my grandmother never told me I love you, she still told me I love you. I remember receiving Christ because, not what the pastor was saying, because I felt the love of God through that lady. That lady was paying everything for me. I was in the best school ever. I had new clothes, new everything new. And she would encourage me every day. I mean, what is this love of God? If somebody can love you when they hardly even know you, they can take care of you when they hardly know you. That's the love of God in me. That's what I know, the love of God. That's the grace of God. That's how I came to know Christ as young as eight years old because of somebody I hardly knew, I had never seen. She made me work so hard, work so hard. After I finished school, I went home, 
Then I started gathering, like, because people thought mom was so ill, like, my mom, mom was arrogant. We just discovered, discovered mom was not actually naughty or being anything. We just realized she was ill, but nobody knew it. So we started doing research, and then we got her to a psychiatrist. She got healed. She's now living in the countryside in Mother's Guild, and she's doing so well. Because somebody took a chance in me, a hopeless kid, a kid with nothing. I wasn't nobody. If you saw me on the road, you'd be like, oh, it's just, you pass me. People don't, even if we try to clean ourselves, but people thought we stink. But they just walk far away from us. But finally, I'm somebody because of somebody who loved me. When I, need, I, I didn't even love myself, I didn't know who I was. But she did love me. So whoever you're sponsoring, if you're sponsoring today, know who was you. You don't know what you're doing. You might say, like, I'm sponsoring a child. I'm praying she'll be better. But for me, you're doing the, main, the most amazing job. You're rebuilding a life. In the slum, we say, like, we're not, like, selling alcohol, like, prostitution, abortion. That's what we see. That's normal to us. But then the Bible says, be transformed by the new renewal of your mind. That lady transformed my head. You are transforming somebody's. You might never know. She might never tell you. But transform, we are transforming their lives. That little you're giving. That encouragement. I love you. I care for you. I know who you are. I know you can do better. You're transforming their minds. They will push and get better. Because of the love of Christ. I'm now living in UK. I'm a mother and a sponsor. So basically, you're changing a life. So basically, you're changing a life to change a life. You're not just changing that girl there. That girl will change many lives. I know many of my colleagues we were sponsored with. They're doing the same. They're sponsoring kids. We have young moms now, we are trying to gather some things to take them back to school in the slum as former sponsored kids. So we got ourselves together, said those young moms in the slums, we take them back to school with no help from anybody. So we are because we are transformed, we are trying to change somebody's life. If you are doing it today, thank you and God bless you so much. If you are thinking about it, just do it. God won't leave you. God won't stop you. Just do it. Change somebody's life. Thank you. It's so completely overwhelming, isn't it, to hear those, uh, those stories, you know? And yeah, let's just praise God. Let's just praise God for his love. And, um, and, all that, and all that he enables us to do to transform the world in the name of Jesus and, and, and with his love, you know, and it's him that's changing the world. God doesn't need us to change the world. He doesn't need us. He could do it without us, but he chooses on a daily basis to get us involved because actually that's how we're meant to be and it draws us into wholeness with him. It's not taking something from us 
doing this kind of thing. He's making us whole. And I was, um, when, when Damaris was speaking there, something else that I figured out in the Bible that kind of makes sense is like a mustard seed when you're talking about the one and then that one kind of growing. You know, the Bible talks about the kingdom of God being like a mustard seed, you know, but it takes individual people to touch individual people to touch individual people and so on with, with, with God's love. And what a huge thing we're part of, aren't we? I'm not talking just about compassion. Compassion is amazing, you know, but actually the church, it's amazing. The kingdom of God, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Don't believe the lie, ladies and gentlemen, that you can't change the world. You can. We all can. It is that easy. It is that easy to, to change your life. And if it's something that you'd like to do today, do come and speak to us after the service. Have a chat with me, Pete, Damaris, you know, choose to sponsor one of these children. There is no better thing that you will do, I think, for eternity. It's absolutely huge. But as I said earlier, you know, whatever we do today, go from here believing that we can make a difference because we serve an almighty God, Amen. you know, and he longs to use each one of us to further his kingdom on this earth and to make the world into how he intended it to be. So go from there believing that and not just believing that, not just saying we believe it. Let's go and change the world. God bless you.